Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, here today, joined by my co-host from By the Numbers, Dan Reese. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I had a nice off-season, but I'm ready for uh, for the season to start and, and really can't wait. Yeah, me too. And uh, looking forward to our show on a regular basis as well. Uh, today, we're going to talk about something a little different. You know about the Ravens roster contest out there. We're going to try and give you the tips that will help you get there. And also a little bit of why you shouldn't concern too much over what the Ravens 53 looks like. Because it's not really 53 anymore under the current very lenient roster rules. It's a, it's a larger number, and we're going to try and show you, you know, where the, the, the push points are with that. So, uh, Dan, do you want to get us started here? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, you know, there are a couple of different, uh, you know, classifications that, that a player can go into um, where they can be kind of stored off the active roster. Uh, the, the first one kind of um, that, that most people know is, is IR or injured reserve. Um, and, and there's kind of two different things about IR depending on when you go on to it. Uh, if you're moved to IR during the, uh, the preseason or, or during training camp, it's actually you're out the whole season. You have to be out the whole time. Uh, an example of this is with, with Vince Beagle who went on IR. Um, and so he'll be out the whole season. Um, alternatively, if you if you're on the active roster and then move to IR uh, during the season, you're only out for a shorter period of time. 
um, in, in this season, it's it's a four week uh, return. So, uh, and, and kind of it's changed in the past, but this season it's four weeks. Now, the distinction there you're making is that the the, the player has to make the initial fifty three but then he can be moved to IR. So that's the break point. If you go to IR before the initial 53, the final cutdown day, quote unquote yep. final cutdown day, love that, um, is is made, then you're you're gone for the season. So Trent Harris, Vince Spiegel were already gone. Uh, Ravens had several players on IR at this point last year that were already lost for the year and, and they had more before the, the, the roster was finally trimmed. Um, this year, in terms of players who might make the 53 initially be moved to IR before that first game who are who are some of the candidates in your mind yeah I think um I think there are a couple of them I think uh um Kohler the uh the tight end he he's a possibility depending on the the duration of his injury um let's see who else is out there um you know, a couple couple wide receivers who got injured maybe in this in the last right, week or so. Tyler with Wallace maybe. Um, you know, Linderbaum hopefully not. But uh, you know, just kind of recent injuries would be the the big ones that that come out uh, as possibilities. You could deal with a fairly short term injury there because uh, you know a player only has to be gone for four weeks, which is actually up one week from last year. The, the rules got tightened up a little bit. Right. You can also only have eight returns from IR right so, another so, new thing this year yep yeah did, did, it, did it seem to you at all like this was pointed at the Baltimore Ravens in terms of their ability to manipulate the roster you know it definitely didn't help the Ravens they uh you know they're definitely going to be one of the teams that uh that in recent years have kind of played these games that we'll talk about with the IR um but uh you know, eight eight is a number. It's it's a pretty decent number. I don't know that mm-hmm. they'll actually get to it. Um, you know, because you have to be, you have to be, um, you know, be on the roster and then come back within within four weeks. And I think, uh, let's see, you you can't come back too late in the season. So you know, there are like I think it's the last five weeks or the postseason you can't come back. So it's huh. so it's um I, I think that's the the case this year. But I, I can double check. But I didn't know that one. Um, yeah. So this the rules have changed a lot over the years, and they changed for COVID to be at their most lenient, which was only three weeks out on IR, and they really needed to make sure that they could get through that season with all of the anticipated COVID problems, and they stretched the limit. A couple of teams played their entire practice squads, most notably the Ravens in that Pittsburgh game, uh, a couple of that weird matinee game in the middle of the week. Right. Uh, but uh, it's 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 one of these things. If you go back to the first time this was instituted in 2012, Ray Lewis was the notable player. But you had to wait. I forget if it was eight weeks or 12 weeks at the time, but it was some extraordinary amount of time that there just are not very many injuries that fall into this category where you're 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 going to be hurt and you will be back by the end of the season or you could be. And then to further complicate things, there was a designee system at that time. I don't know if that designee system exists anymore, if you can have 20 guys on IR and just bring back your favorite eight. Yeah, I don't believe uh, I don't believe that you um, – well, yes, you can have 20 and you can bring out – you bring back eight, um, but you don't have to kind of uh, designate them beforehand. You can kind of f- figure out which eight are ready. So the problem mm-hmm. with beforehand is you had to like – designate them IR designated to return versus just regular IR so that was the the challenges you had to kind of predict who would recover fast enough as well 
um, this one is uh, it's more lenient in that you know when they're ready you can bring them back as long as you're under the the count of eight so okay and so that that IR DTR had to be made at the point the per- the player went on IR as opposed to when they came off is the that's is my the understanding yep yep all right outstanding we we last time I talked about this we 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 did not know about the for sure about the eight designees or not whether they had to be designated in advance or not but that is a lot more lenient and and I think it's actually harder than people think to get up to eight players you bring back uh, just because there aren't that many injuries for a football player that heal before the end of the year. And the ones that are are maybe minor enough that you, you don't ever put them on IR because you don't want to be out for four weeks. It's really a kind of a narrow kind of a landing strip right. at any point in the season. Right. You, you really have to be just in that sweet spot because two weeks you wouldn't a two week injury. You just hold them out two weeks themselves yeah. and you wouldn't even want to hold them out that extra one. So um, and, and it has to happen pretty early in the season. So. Uh, it's it's a, a lot of it is really you know the people that got injured during preseason that that um, you know that uh, that are going to be out in the beginning of the season. So those are those are kind of the big ones that you'll see. So Kolar will be a big one because I, I'm I'm not as concerned about his production in 2022 as much as I am about him not losing the season developmentally. I think he really needs to be able to work with Lamar, gain his trust in practice and whatnot. And I think that'll eventually happen. It very well could be out half the season with the sports hernia thing, but uh, but it'll be good to have him back. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know getting him in the rotation so he doesn't fall too far behind is definitely going to be key for sure. So, um, all right. And, and kind of one of the things that goes along with the IR and, and kind of how the the games are played with the roster, kind of the other side of the the, the coin here is is how you get these people onto the active roster knowing that you are immediately going to move them to IR, right? So mm-hmm. so we said, you know, Kohler, we want him to be on the active roster, but then we're going to immediately move him to IR uh, so that it's not a full season loss. It's just four games. So what you do is, is you know, what you've talked about a number of times, the, the handshake deals with veterans um, and kind of say, Okay, we're going to cut you now uh, before the final cuts in order to get down to the 53. But just know that as soon as we move uh, Kohler to the IR, we're adding you right back in. Um, And uh, the reason it has to be with veterans is uh, a couple of things. One is that if you have uh, under four years of um, season, under year, under four years of kind of accrued seasons, when you're cut, you go on to uh, the waiver wire or the waiver system, and any team uh, can pick you up. Um, if you're a veteran, then you immediately become a free agent, and you can choose whatever you want to do. So you really have to do this with veterans. Otherwise, another team can kind of jump in. Um, yeah, So and you have to do it with the right veterans, you know, that... <laughs> aren't going to be looking for another opportunity like for example uh with houston you wouldn't want to do with houston because you know we had the kind of control over him based off of the initial designation in the offseason and you know he kind of had to sign with the ravens what would be terrible is to try and make this agreement with him and then he goes out and signs with another team so it's got to be with the right veteran and um, their contract also makes a big difference because when you cut them, 
they are it, it is a cut a term a termination and so any remaining you know um Guaranteed. Any remaining guaranteed salary or prorated uh, signing bonuses would get accelerated and hit the cap. So what you really want to do is do this with with one year uh, players uh, or one year contract veterans. So um, so that's really the the key type of person you're looking for. Yeah, one, usually a one year player making the vet. Sorry, one year contract at the vet minimum is the ideal circumstance. And, and those players, uh, they could be picked up by another team. Somebody else could say, hey, you're cutting Anthony Levine. Oh, my God, we'll pay him two million dollars. And Anthony Levine should say, that's a nice payday. I might take it. But uh, they're really honestly, most of these players, their market value was determined during the offseason in terms of their willingness to resign for that amount of money. So they, so they do. Players who have guaranteed money are not a good option. Uh, if, they, if you guaranteed half of a $1 million salary, which I haven't heard of that happening in recent years, but if somebody did, um, then a player could, could collect that and go to another team for the same vet minimum. And you know, that could potentially be an attractive deal to them. Players who make above the vet minimum are not attractive. And the big one this year, the guy that I really am pissed they paid a lot of money to is Kyle Fuller. And, uh, you know, he, he would be, I would have been, I thought, an ideal kind of a handshake cut at the vet minimum. And then we hear that, that he had, he got a lot more money than that. Yeah. His, his contract is fully guaranteed with, you know, um, so he's just, he wouldn't be a, a good, good candidate because he would be able to double dip, you know, uh, some of these with the guarantee, it's not really clear. And it kind of depends on the nuances of, of the de- of the contract details, whether they actually can double dip or whether there will be offsets. So. Um, but, um, but really you just want to keep it simple <laughs> with these ones and just have, you know, vet men guys that are one year contracts and, um, you know, that really are happy with their position in Baltimore, like it here, like their role, things like that. Um, you know, so Levine was a, you know, a great example of, of someone that they, you know, he, even if someone else came with more money, they, he wasn't going anywhere. You know, he enjoyed it here. Seemed and, that way. Yeah. So uh, it would have to be a significant uh, amount of money, I would think. So it, that's the sort of situation. And and with the roster construction that Baltimore uses, and and kind of the emphasis on kind of having uh, these type of players, um, they really are able to kind of leverage this. Uh, some some other teams that don't have the um, you know the locker room presence of of veterans and and have these one year veteran signings may not have the ability to play these games as much. So, so it's it's definitely a contending team that loads up on some of these players. You want to fill out your depth holes. It's definitely a, uh, improve your chances to make the playoffs. But you're, these are not the players who will win you the Super Bowl. But they they, they certainly they fill holes. And mm-hmm. you know maybe I should I shouldn't say that because filling holes can sometimes be more important. Than having a star player at some position, or you know, with the potential of of what like not having a a, a cornerback can do to you. But the way I look at this, and when I, when I do my roster creation, and when I make my roster guess, I'm telling you all the secrets here. <laughs> um, uh, I look at the Ravens roster. You go go to the Ravens website. It's sortable by years of service, and then immediately go to the guys who are in years five plus and see who's a minimum salary guy, and you'll come up with the following: Kayvon Seymour, David Sharp. I mean, some of these guys will not make the team, by the way. David Warley, or sorry, Daryl Warley, uh, who had the interception in the first game. Mike Davis, the running back. Stephen Means, Tony Jefferson, Brent Urban, and Josh Bynes. Those last five guys in particular, Davis, Means, Jefferson, Urban, and Bynes, very high probability of getting cut. 
they might all be cut. Uh, it, it, probably not quite, but, but almost all of them will be cut. If they had five guys, they definitely want to stick Sash on IR. I think they would cut all five, but, uh, but those five guys are, are all a high probability to be cut, and, uh, and it would be very much in thinking. And that said, a player like Tony Jefferson, guarantee you he walks out week one with the um, three guys or four guys who will be going out for the coin flip as the special teams captain. So uh, it'll be a, it, it should be fun. It's, a, it's something that gives the Ravens a lot of flexibility. And it's a reason why if you're, if you're out there concerning over who your final 53 are right now, you're, you're probably making the job too hard for yourself. If you're including people like Brent Urban in there, I mean, he, he will be there, but he won't be there in, in the initial 53 cutdown because he's, he's uh, uh, not a guy they, or he's a, he's a perfect handshake candidate. Right. And like you mentioned, there are a couple of those guys that they may be candidates, but probably won't be, um, you know, high selections in this year. You know, Kayvon Seymour, I'm not sure that even with the adjusted 53 that he would make it. Right. Um, David Sharp, he's probably on the line. I'm not I don't I'm not sure with him either. And uh, and, and Worley as well. Um, so the, the really the Davis Mike Davis, Stephen Means, Tony Jefferson, Brett Urban, and Josh Bynes are the are the big five here. And it really, I think, it comes down to the number of players that they want uh, to kind of stash, and and how many players are are going to need to have that IR designation for that other side of the coin. Um, you know, a couple of couple of things. Josh Bynes had a little bit over four hundred thousand in guarantees, so mm-hmm. a, a decent amount of his contract was guaranteed. So. Um, he may not be one that I would think, uh, but uh, but you never know. It, it kind of depends whether, because when you cut him, that four hundred thousand stays on your cap, and then depending on whether um, whether there's an offset or not, if you re-sign him for a vet minimum, you still have like it, it double counts against your cap and gets adjusted at the end of the year. So um, so players with a big guarantee you may may not want to cut just for cap uh, reasons uh so tony jefferson mike davis uh brett urban and, and stephen means are the four that I, I really think um are, are good kind of candidates for this year so yeah and means not a hundred percent chance to make the team by any stretch but you know given the ravens uh shortcomings at outside linebacker and the likely desire to have five i think it'll it'll be uh it, it's quite possible and you know what tyus bowser um you know, is is a candidate. He's really in our next category, so let's leave it for that. Uh, which would you like to talk about next? Yeah, I think. Um, let's see. So we can go ahead to to the category that you were talking about, the the pup category. So the the physically unable to is it play perform. or perform. Okay, perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, this has kind of a different uh, classification for during preseason and during regular season. Uh, during preseason, you've got um, the active pup, um, and that's what all the people are on now that you hear about. Um, you have to be designated at the beginning of preseason for the active pup list, uh, so they have to be on it the whole preseason. They can't be injured and then move to the the pup list in the middle of preseason. Um, and then once the season starts, uh, you've got the the reserve pup list and and. And what that is, is basically you, you move them um, to this list that's kind of a, a 
temporary thing just like the IR is and again and this year it's interesting it actually is the same number of weeks as the IR it's four weeks so uh, so it's very similar um, and you have to be on the active pup list all preseason in order to be eligible for the reserve pup list so uh, the, the players this year are uh, Ronnie Stanley Gus Edwards Tyus Bowser um, Peters was, Dobbins was, and Washington was, and they're all they've all, all returned. Off. So, um, so with those three uh, still on, you know they they could um, go to the the pup list. Uh, hopefully, hopefully only a couple of them will, and we'll see how it how it uh, ends up. But um, but those three could be uh, could remain on it. And um, and then return be eligible to return after after four weeks. So yeah, I, John Harbaugh had a comment he made at the podium the other day that used the word extrapolate. And he tried to make a joke out of the end of it, like it matters, like he doesn't know what the word extrapolate means. But what he was really saying was he he, he mentioned a few guys who were he thought were going to be ready for week one. And then he said something like, "You can probably extrapolate from that who might be a little longer," kind of thing. Gotcha. And I'm 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 paraphrasing, but it kind of sounded to me like Stanley and Edwards were the two, and actually, it's really all three of them. Stanley and Edwards were the bigger concerns. He did comment on Bowser, and rather than misquote, I'll just direct people to the to the Harbaugh comments from. Uh, maybe Tuesday the 15th, I think it might have been, or what, Monday the 15th, um, t- to see if you can uh, uh, listen from that and, uh, and, and hear what he, uh, uh, what he actually said. But uh, the other thing about the PUP list you mentioned is the four-week limit to it this year. Now, the PUP list has been something that's been used in the past by the Ravens to get midseason reinforcements, and it used to be six weeks you'd have to wait. Then there's a three-week window, which still exists, you can start practice at any time, okay? And then you have to come back within 21 days. So for instance, I believe anyway, you can come back after four weeks if, if you wait one week into the season to start practicing at least. And then you have to come back at that, at that point. Now, come, come back means get added to the 53. It doesn't mean you actually have to play, I, I believe. Right. You have to be added to the active roster within 21 days after the four-week period. So you have the four mm-hmm. weeks, and then you've got 21 days, and you have to be moved to the active roster. So you don't have to play during the game or anything like that. Just be part of the 53-man roster. So they have to make make the move to, to, to drop someone else off. So. so that extra size of the roster, you know, 53 versus 48 that you have on game day, um, gives you five deactivations for your kind of your walking wounded that you can use, but there's still, uh, there are still practice squad elevations this year, correct? That would allow for players to be bumped up from that, from the practice squad to replace up to two more players, right? Uh, correct. Yep. There, there are still elevations. Yep. Okay. So that's something I, I have no doubt the Ravens will make use of as the season goes on. Um, it, it does give you a little more flexibility in terms of uh, having uh, uh, players that you can keep on your roster while injured, but it also gives you a little more flexibility in terms of meeting your exact needs with a stylistic fit. So the Ravens could do it with a running back like Nate McCrary and get him. They could be short on special teams in a week and, and pick some wide receiver that they like to be a gunner or uh, somebody else who could 
cover kicks effectively. So they have some ways to to effectively make use of that uh, uh, those elevations. Right. Absolutely. Um, and and I think you know we'll talk about the practice squad in a bit and how that's an that's actually another way of, I think of storing some veterans. So. Um, you want to, okay, we could just jump to that right now then. Um, so I think, you know, we, we talked about, you know, the handshake deals with the veterans, but I think the other side of it is that there is an opportunity to have veterans on the practice squad. So that used to be that the majority of the practice squad had to be uh, younger, lower service players. But now um, there's an opportunity to, to have a number of veteran players. I think they, they, expanded that last year again for covid and they kind of did a little bit of a compromise again this year um with not quite as many veterans but actually uh they combined the like mid-service and the veterans uh into uh, anyone that has over two years so um you're allowed to have a number of, of um six players that this year that are that have more than two years of service so um what you what a, the team could do is put a person like, uh, you know, Brett Urban or Stephen Means um, on the practice squad and have two elevations. So they may be good options for um, handshake deals, but they also may be good deals or good options for cuts and put on the veteran practice squad. Um, and, and knowing that, you know, we're going to bring you up, we may bring you back to the active list afterwards, but, um, but that's just another kind of uh, opportunity to store some some veteran players. So now let's let's talk about that for a moment. Let's unpack that because if you if you put a veteran player there and he has let's say even one elevation in week one, veteran players signed after week two are treated differently for salary purposes, right? Meaning they can be Correct. cut at any point during the season. So they can always be cut. So it it has to do with the cap considerations or the cap calculations for veterans. So if you if you cut um, if if a veteran is on the roster for week one and you cut them, their full salary stays on the cap, um, and you, and it gets adjusted at the end of the year. So, but it, it doesn't get adjusted this year, so you lose out on that cap flexibility. But if you wait until week two. Uh, to, to add them on, then only the weeks that they play stay on the cap. So uh, it, it allows for kind of more flexibility. And the Ravens used that a lot last year with the running backs. Um, a lot of them kind of came in later on. Um, and that is an opportunity this year is that, um, you know, they, they could have people wait until week two to get on the, the sal or the, the roster in order to, uh, kind of get that cap flexibility so yeah they've done that a few times in the past the notable one from a number of years ago was eric williams uh who was a guy they weren't they just weren't really sure if he was done or not sure enough he was done and uh, uh you know he, they they didn't have to pay his whole year of salary but they picked him up uh, a week two and later they've done it with other players Le'Veon bell i guess last year mm -hmm. fell into that category yep yeah, good. Yeah, but even last year, they did move a number of veterans to the practice squad. Uh, Ellis, they did that. Levine, actually, mm -hmm. they did that to start with. Richards, uh, 
um, and then two Smiths, Andre Smith and Chris Smith. So some of them actually they intended to bring up, and some of them they were really practice squad guys. So there's a mix right there. Um, you know, in the in the past, Jordan Smith is also was the case in 2020. So um, you know, so they have used this in the past where they they stored some veterans there for kind of temporary uh, relief players. Yeah, I, I want to go back to that for a second because I done some, drilled up some numbers on the handshake deal guys from last year. Mm-hmm. So some of the key cuts, Justin Ellis cut for the final 53, ended up playing 35.3% of the snaps on defense for the yep. year. Pernell McPhee cut 21.2% of the snaps. Anthony Levine cut, of course, he's the special teams captain. Might happen at Jefferson this year in a similar way. And Eric Tomlinson, people don't really realize how significant his role was, but he played 26% of the offensive snaps last year. Good percentage of the, of the special team snaps as well. And, uh, and, you know, these are not, you know, minimal playing time guys by any means. They're not even fringe of the roster guys. These are important rotational players uh, we're talking about. Or, or, you know, in Levine's case, perhaps you could say even more than that. Yeah. And and so last year, the, the handshake ones were Pernell McPhee and Eric Tomlinson. Those were the ones that they they cut and actually signed back uh before week one and that allowed them to move miles boykin and uh and bateman to the ir so that was the kind of uh the two for two right i think all four of those guys were handshake deals last year as i have it ellis didn't make the initial 53 he was cut uh mcphee was cut yeah so ellis and levine they the way i saw it where they went to veteran practice squad for one week got elevated because they did, it, it, again, kind of, those are the two options, right? They could they could either move them into a handshake deal and bring them right back to the active roster, or they could do them practice squad. And my understanding is that Ellis and Levine started at the practice squad, got elevated, and then kind of got moved to the okay. active roster shortly afterwards, but, um, but started at the active practice squad so that they could I, I... get a lot more. I trust you. You're you're very sharp with this. I went by the fact that both of those players played 17 games for the Ravens last year. Yeah, I think so. they were they were elevations. So I mm-hmm. I based this off of um, the transactions um, uh, on the on the Ravens website. So that's kind of what I relied on. So uh, th- there were a lot of transactions, and that's kind of what we're talking about. The first first couple weeks, there are going to be a lot of ins and outs and, and transactions because the Ravens are. Uh, you know, I think they kind of enjoy these roster games and uh, and and kind of manipulating the system and getting as many players as they can uh, to help their team out. So, all right. So we've been through the the pup. We've talked a little bit about the practice squad. Anything else we missed on the practice squad that we wanted to talk about? Um, Last year, maybe so. a couple guys were treated a little bit differently. But, you know, the, you mentioned earlier the, the point that a, a practice squad player who's in the first four years, and you want a bunch of those in your practice squad, by the way. You don't want a bunch of graybeard vets on that practice squad because you want to have some lottery tickets that you could win on. And particularly at some of the um, deeper size and shape pools like running back and cornerback, you'll occasionally find a gem off your practice squad that's, that, that ends up being a pretty good player has an actual career, uh, might become a great special teams player, might actually become a starter at some point. But the, the, the Ravens definitely have a history of doing that with running backs. But they had two guys they cut last year that one cleared waivers and one didn't. The guy who cleared waivers was Ben Mason, 
And once you cut him, he can sign with whoever he wants to. And he signed with the Patriots practice squad, not the Patriots 53, the Patriots practice squad. Raven's very salty about that, clearly, in terms of expending a fifth round pick, cutting him and then, you know, having him end up elsewhere. Uh, but he's back in camp this year, I guess, uh, working for a living. And then the other one was Nigel Warrior, who you know was at the end of the roster. I think they t- probably tried to trade him. Um, if they didn't try to trade him, they they you know they were hoping that he would slip through and be on the practice squad. But the Seahawks claimed him. I believe it was the Seahawks, and I think he's still there. I think he got playing time with them last year. Yeah. It, so if you have under four years. Like, like you said, you know, if you if you get cut and with the hopes of moving the player to the practice squad, any team can put in a waiver claim for you. That's the first thing. And then if no one does, then you get the free agent. Then they become a free agent and they can decide whoever they want to move to the pre- the practice, whatever practice squad they want to sign with. Like you said, with Ben Mason, he, he elected a different team. So, um, you know, I think it'll be big with the a lot of the wide receivers trying to get a couple of them to the practice squad. Some of the mm-hmm. the uh, defensive backs, maybe. Um, you know, I I, I think Anthony Brown, uh, QB three, maybe uh, a good candidate to to try to get there. So uh, there are definitely some players that um, that I, I think it would be really good to get to the to the practice squad. So the Ravens have a kind of historical depth at certain positions on their own practice squad, which means they're frequently poached. And one of them is on the defensive line that the Ravens And this year. I think they potentially could have Isaiah Mack there. Although if I were Mack, I'd probably just pick a new team coming right out of this process. He, he may even get claimed in mm-hmm. the waivers, but you know, certainly I'd try and be moving to a better situation right away. And, uh, you know, Aaron Crawford, probably ends up on the practice squad again. He's a guy who could be a lottery ticket player for somebody since since his clock is where it is. But, um, uh, you know, some, some, some guys there definitely who, who have value. The Ravens practice squad in the past just poached for all sorts of defensive linemen because they've always been very deep there. Yeah, I think those two are going to be players that you would love to have still on your roster or on your practice squad. But I'm... Not overly confident that they'll make it through, mm-hmm. so we'll 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 see on those ones and kind of hold our breath as as they as as we wait for that news for sure. Um, so I think the last group um, that we wanted to talk about was the the non-football injury or the NFI, and this one's kind of a, an interesting different designation, I, I guess. Um, it kind of so what it, it says non-football injury, but it's really non-NFL football injuries. So in addition to kind of outside of the, the you know, the, the you know, games and things like that, injuries, it also includes injuries that happened in college. Um, so the so the real one with that that talks about is David Ajabo. So um, he, he's eligible for, for the NFI due to his kind of injury during college that carried over and is going to impact his um, – his uh, ability to, to when he's going to be able to play this year. So he's definitely a, a potential candidate for NFI. Um, it's kind of interesting that the, the, the he hasn't been moved to it yet. Uh, I'm not sure really the benefit of, of waiting, but it's um, but I was talking with with Brian McFarland about this yesterday on, on Twitter about it. And uh, he was saying that uh, they did a very similar thing with Juwan James last year and just really waited till the last second to move to move to NFI. So um, so I wouldn't be surprised if if they move Ajabo kind of uh, uh, during the last day to, to the NFI. Um, and 
uh, let's see, NFI, I think, again, it's uh, it's four weeks, I, th- I think, um, the the injury does it, or the injury time as well, but I'm not positive about that. So yeah, I, I can't help you there. I really don't know. I know that um, the reason they would have held back on James and and Ajabo this year is that they're trying to to get as much developmental value as they can out of their time in camp. And I guess when they're on the NFI list, they probably are not allowed in camp. I don't know the exact rules about being in the building or you know how they can rehab and whatnot. Uh, but I presume that's the case. Of course, the most famous NFI in recent Ravens, I think the most famous, is Kari Vedvik, who you know got in a bad situation in uh, Baltimore and uh, got beaten up by uh, by somebody, and uh, he spent an entire year on NFI before the Ravens traded him. So I, I I don't know what the rules are in terms of the team is allowed to pay the salary despite the designation being on the player. I have heard that that might be true. Yeah, and I, I don't think know it's entirely up to the team. They can do what they want um, uh, on on how they want to treat the player with their salary. So that's that's my understanding as well. All right. So uh, a player like Vedvik, yeah, in in his case, it actually whatever they paid, they got a good return on it because they got a fifth round draft pick out of it. So even if they paid him an entire year's salary at the minimum, uh, that certainly would have been okay. And I doubt it was that much, honestly. Uh, and I I don't happen to know what the rules are for cap purposes. If you if you do pay an NFI player, whether or not that counts against the cap, usually cash and cap considerations are split in that way. So there's a good chance it it might not. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one either exactly. Um, uh, but but like you mentioned, there there, just because you pay the cash doesn't necessarily mean it hits the cap this year. It could be an accounting thing where they they correct for it next year. So I'm not sure exactly on the NFI, but uh, but we'll we'll likely see with the uh, Ajabo and, and how he uh, plays out on the cap this year. So. Let's toss in one other category that the Ravens don't have anybody this year, but has been something that has actually helped the team get a couple of midseason replacements is suspensions. So PED suspensions of Boyle, Jimmy Smith was suspended for, for one year, uh, not for a full year, but he's suspended for a portion of a year. And that allowed you know the Ravens to have a cornerback coming back at midseason. Nobody likes suspensions. No, no, no fans, no teams like to have their players being suspended. But on the other hand, it does give you a chance to hold back a player for a midseason replacement at effectively no cost other than the the opportunity cost of having that player yep i think i'd rather just have them <laughs> the whole yeah, time so <laughs> yeah luckily knock on wood don't have any of those this year uh got some some injuries that you know hopefully we'll get those guys back on the pup and the nfi uh soon um but uh but again knock on wood so far so good with the injury front and um you know, I, I think really these classifications are going to be kind of more not for, not rushing people and kind of being able to expand the uh, the 53 to a few more players to to grab those, keep those fringe players. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what the Ravens do as far as as far as these designations, as far as how many handshake deals they make, as far as uh, veterans move to the practice squad with the elevations in mind. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it definitely will be interesting over the next couple weeks. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, one of the things I see a lot of people doing right now is trying to figure out whether our Darius Washington is going to be on the 53-man roster. I think I can safely, now I can't safely say it because he might have nothing left when he hits the field again for the first time. But 
I, I would predict or project that Ardarius Washington will play for the Ravens at some point this year. He'll be on the initial 53, probably. He'll be probably moved to IR since he's since they've waived through his pup designation. That would have been something, a, a way to keep him around as well, would have been the pup designation. The fact that they brought him back, I think, greatly increases the chance that he'll play for the Ravens this year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that the, the, the roster game is a game of trying to figure out how the Ravens are going to manipulate the roster rather than a game of trying to figure out who's really going to play for the Ravens this year. Because as you saw from last year's uh, you know, snap counts, they'd have basically been an entire player short just with the players they caught out of the percentage of snaps if you add them up. So anyway... Just one of these things. I know. I know people are out there worrying about that this year. Again. Yeah, I think uh, Washington will be an interesting one because if they had in mind that he needed more time to recover, I think they would have just held him on on pup and mm-hmm. waited. Uh, they may want to see what he's got and, and kind of just see how he recovers and how he looks. Um, I, I think he's an interesting one for sure because um, it would be frustrating to if they moved him off pup and then just to put him back on IR and use one of those eight, uh, eight, eight designations just to kind of have him come back after four weeks anyway. So, um, though maybe, maybe it's worth it to see how he looks this preseason and, and, and get him some practice and things like that. So, uh, maybe it's worth it, but I just, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him for sure. Right. I, 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 I could see it both ways. The other possibility is they brought him back in as a as a precursor to cutting him. Mm-hmm. That they they don't want to you know have him out there if he's back active. It probably puts them in a better position in terms of whatever injury settlement they'd need to come up with for him if if he if he was cut. But right. um, I, I I still would say his chance is better now of playing for the Ravens this year than than it was before the. Unpupping, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. I agreed. I, I think uh, we'll see what he's got, how he does, and uh, you know, he he definitely showed some upside too. So, uh, but it is a crowded room, so it'll be yeah. interesting. So, all right, lots of fun, Dan. Always great to talk football with you, my friend. Uh, looking forward to uh, talking by the numbers again. We'll start that week one, absolutely, and uh, uh, we'll have that'll be the regular kind of a Thursday night show. It'll, it should be out on Friday morning, I believe. So something to look for week by week. And if you haven't checked that out, the episodes are out there last year. Some of them there are some timeliness issues, but if you go back, you at least see what you're getting into when you listen to Dan and me talk numbers. Uh, Dan, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.